You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It is so good to be back with you beautiful people once again. Nothing like a a back-to-back podcast day. And as promised, we are going to be talking about um, the next opponent. This time it's the Kansas City Chiefs, so it's going to be a little bit of fun because we're looking at... Another one of those young teams that has a lot of flash, but we also get to kind of take our first stab at looking at if they can maybe duplicate some of the hurdles they might be going over, under, through, whatever. Because again, as it stands, if you just look at 2018, try to read that into 2019, especially the fact that this is an away game for the Packers, it's kind of like, well, count that as an L. But um, yeah, and you know, again, for the billionth time we'll be looking at this again after free agency again after the draft and then you know before the season starts to get an overview kind of looking at uh, where they're at so that whenever that day comes that we're facing the Chiefs we should all have a pretty good idea of what this team is about but anyways quickly before we get there um all this is in the comment section but why do I keep calling it the comment section I there's sometimes man sometimes I just can't deal with myself what is so hard to figure out you have a description of the podcast and then you have comments which is more of a youtube thing i don't even have a comment section however the closest thing to a comment section would be rating and reviewing the podcast which you are very much encouraged to do by the way and again if you are going to do that make sure it is the black pack daddy logo with the little overtime media shield in the bottom left rate and review that one please if you have the green and gold stripe thing which, by the way, there's a lot of issues with that right now. Apparently, my podcast is... And I've seen it because I subscribe to that as well. I'll see the podcast and like, all right, cool, it's working. Then I'll check it two minutes later. It's gone. So I reached out. We'll try to see what's going on with uh, the thing. But that's, again, that's not my podcast. If you want to help this podcast, be sure to rate and review uh, the correct podcast. But anyways, be sure to get in the Facebook group. Packernet Podcast is the name of the Facebook group. NFLBigBoard.com. I did add, I mentioned yesterday, I did uh, start work on a new YouTube video with Mark Jarvis. Had a lot of fun doing that. He does a lot of my scouting reports, and by does, I mean he allows me permission to use his scouting reports on the site. But at this point, most of the quarterbacks and running backs on NFLBigBoard.com are using his scouting reports, which are extremely in-depth. I love the way he breaks it down. Um, and I do put links so you can go see his full report. It's this beautiful-looking thing in Excel. It's got pictures and graphics and everything. But uh, if you just want the information, I love the way he breaks it down. Again, it's going to be each of the important attributes and then the description within that attribute as opposed to just positives and negatives. Like, well, he's really good at this. He's really bad at this. No, it's... I mean, it really is like 
buying a full like scouting report, like one of those things you have to pay for because it's it is a lot of information. It's a lot of reading. You better want to know a lot about this person. So really quickly, I just because I absolutely love this. And the other thing that I added that I didn't realize he had on here, he has comps, but it's not just one comp. He has the low end comp, the mid range comp, and then the high side comp. In other words, at best, this is what they're going to be. At worst, this is what they're going to be. And then kind of like a mid range, I'm assuming I should ask him, but I'm assuming medium is sort of where he sees them. But just looking at Dwayne Haskins, it starts off with the comps. The low end comp is CJ Bethard. The mid-range comp is Mark Sanchez, and then the high comp would be Matt Stafford. So, like, best-case scenario, you're getting a Matt Stafford, which is pretty cool, right? And and seriously, like, these are... I'm just blown away. He has to be cheating somehow. Like, there's got to be some kind of a generator somewhere. I don't know how this is even possible. I'm just... I don't know. I'm enamored. But then you start off, there's an overview, which is literally, like, a massive paragraph giving you top to bottom. Then you've got reads and decisions, which is a paragraph. Then you have accuracy and ball placement, talks about that. Pocket awareness and scrambling, talks about that. Mechanics and throwing motion, another paragraph. Arm strength, another paragraph. So it's, I mean, it's it's down to the wire, everything you want to know. And it's really good because if you want to see specific traits, you hear about a wide receiver and I want to know, okay, but can he separate? Well, we're about to find out. Go read that section of it. You want a quarterback that's got a cannon? Cool. Click on the quarterback, go down to arm strength. Dwayne Haskins, what does it say? Has the gas to deliver passes to every level of the field. Delivers to the far side with impunity thanks to physical gifts. Can send it 50 plus yards downfield without wind up. Guess who's an expert on Dwayne Haskins now? This guy. So, again, you can see all that uh, at NFLBigBoard.com. And, and I'm going to be adding more and more and more. So, hopefully, by the time the draft comes up, he plans on having about 300 total prospects. I've only got. A little over 500 so pretty much everybody's going to be moved over to his stuff and i'm super pumped about it but anyways be sure to check it out and then of course if you'd like to call in with any questions or if you'd like to call in to um air your opinion for the what grinds my gear segment 608-501-0718 608-501-0718 call or text all are welcome all right let's talk kansas city chiefs so as per the usual, I like to start with the salary cap just to give us a general idea of what we can expect going forward. So, you know, when we get to the point of, you know, analyzing who's coming back, who's leaving, you can kind of look at some of these things. So right out of the gate, I'm looking at a caps hit, or excuse me, the cap space of $26.397 million, which is not a lot. Um, based on the Chiefs' draft capital, which is almost nothing, they they have the fourth least amount of draft capital above the Saints, Rams, and Patriots, partly just because of where they're drafting. But the estimated amount of money they're going to allocate to their draft picks is about six and a half million dollars, and we use that as a starting point because you 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 know most people kind of forget it. Not guaranteed that all these people are going to have to be signed in their contract, you know top 51 and all that stuff but that's a starting point so we got to subtract 6.5 from that so really we're looking at just under 19.89 million and if you've been paying any bit of attention before we even get into all their free agents there's a lot of talk about d ford and the general consensus is he is coming back there's a you know i'm very curious as to how they're going to sign him uh the franchise tag is an option Uh, d ford has already come out and said i don't really mind which is the first time I've ever heard anybody say that. But I suppose from his standpoint, he's been kind of garbage for a very long time. So the fact that he played well enough to even get a franchise tag and make that much money, that'd be kind of cool for him. 
And, and you know, it ends up working out better for guys anyways because you're probably not going to get tagged twice. He might, but, you know, D4, I don't know. And it just means you're going to get an even bigger payday in 2020, whether it's a second franchise tag, which is massive, or you get that long-term deal. Problem is you gotta you got to be able to produce. But regardless of all that, the, the problem now is we've got a little under 20, or let's just call it about 20 million bucks. Well, a franchise tag for a pass rusher is in and around $17 million. There's somebody over at Arrowhead Pride who did a kind of a breakdown as to what he expects the cap to be. It, it's we're, we're talking so somewhere between 16 and $17 million is is about where he's expected to be franchised if he's franchised. Well, basic math tells us that's about all the money we have. We've got about nothing left after that. So there's somewhat of a recent development, which is actually pretty crucial and could be pretty devastating to the team We'll see, but it's possible, there's talk now, Justin Houston, the guy on the other side, the other really good pass rusher, somebody who's actually been doing it for a long time, unlike D. Ford, he might be a cap casualty. Justin Houston is set to make $21.1 million this year. Massive amount of money. As a matter of fact, their, their contracts are just kind of silly, and it's nice when you don't have a quarterback, but um, Justin Houston, $21 million. Sammy Watkins, $19.2 million. Ugh. And then Eric Berry, 16.5. And I listen, I got nothing really against Sammy Watkins, but why in the world would you pay him almost $20 million? Never in a billion years would I give him that much money. That's insane. Eric Berry, 16.5 million. Eric Fisher, 13.6. We're talking about a, an offensive lineman, at least. That's awesome. But a wide receiver and a safety making up $35 million of your cap space is just crazy to me. And they can't dump Watkins. We'll, we'll get into all that stuff too. But if, if you want to free up cap space, that's sort of the problem. You can't get rid of Watkins because you end up owing more than he's, his cap hit is. So you're, you're losing money, not gaining money. Um, and then Eric Berry, you're, you're saving like a million dollars if you decide to move on from him. Eric Fisher, you're not obviously not going to move on. Then the next guy on the list is Travis Kelsey, and that's only $10 million bucks. And why in the world would anybody ever get rid of Travis Kelsey? $10 million bucks for him is basically a steal, in my opinion. I'd rather pay him $19 million than Sammy Watkins. So if you want to free up money, Justin Houston is kind of your only big, big money option. The problem is Justin Houston might be one of the only guys on defense that's really, really good. I mean, Chris Jones as a defensive end. D. Ford, maybe, although I'm not sure I buy it. You know, the whole Nick Perry thing. I said the same thing. I'm not sure I buy it. You look at the outside linebackers coach, the guy that was able to kind of coach him up, the guy that the Packers now have, the guy that, you know, basically laid it out for his outside linebackers and said, listen, here's where we're going to put you, and here's why, and here's the how you can beat him. Here's sort of the, the, the way that you can use your strengths against this guy to get, and it, it really did benefit him. And you look at, again, D. Ford and, and how many years he spent being subpar, one, two, three, four years in a row of being, you know, not even like Nick Perry where he had some some glimmer of a little bit of something. I'm talking terrible, below average for four years. All of a sudden, he's like the 10th best outside linebacker in the NFL. I just don't buy it. Then, you know, I, I just did the mock draft. We had the them taking a corner. Well, somebody else did. We didn't do the picks. And you look at it and go, well, you know, as far as defense goes, they've got decent corners. The problem is both of these corners that are somewhat decent are getting old. One of them is a free agent this year. We'll talk about that. One is a free agent next year. Both of these guys are getting up in age. Neither of them are great. They're just kind of good. Justin Houston is the one guy, and again, 
Uh, Chris Jones seems to be a complete stud, fifth best defensive lineman in the NFL. But Justin Houston has been consistently good every year that he's been in the NFL, essentially, except his rookie year. So if we dump Justin Houston, we don't have another outside linebacker outside of D. Ford. Beyond that, if we if we do get rid of Justin Houston, we're freeing up $14 million in cap space. But again, if we franchise tag D. Ford, and maybe we don't even have to do that, depending on what his market is. Now, we might have to franchise him if the market is real hot for him, which is possible. Again, you got 31 other teams. It's possible that just gets racked up real, real high, and you know we get into this feeding frenzy. And teams want to offer him, okay, I'll give you 17. And it's like, fine, I'll franchise him for 16 and a half. I don't think he's worth that. I wouldn't want the Packers to pay him that. Way too much risk, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it, upside is awesome. And if he can, if we're, if you're going to guarantee me he can do that and he's just got to figure it out. Plus, we do have the outside linebacker coach. So I think if there's any team in the NFL that should sign him, it's the Packers. Because even if we conclude he's, you know, D Ford is no good without this coach telling him step by step, this is where you're going to go and this is what you're going to do. Well, we have that guy, so it's not a problem. But in general, I, I just think he sticks with Kansas City. But again, getting back to that, that the problem is okay. So we saved fourteen million dollars, but first of all, we lost Justin Houston. That's a huge problem. Second of all, we retained D Ford for a lot of money. And I don't know if he's going to be any good. Third of all, we actually still lose money. So starting off with 26, or let's call it 20, if we subtract out the the um, the draft picks, we save 14, but then we spend, call it 17. So really we lose 13, or excuse me, 3. So we lose Justin Houston, keep D Ford, and we lose $3 million to make that happen. I mean, the the, the bottom line is, as I'm looking at this, I, I just I have no respect for whoever's in control of these contracts. This is this is horrible. I mean, Justin Houston, fine, you got to pay the guy, but Sammy Watkins and Eric Berry making that much money is insane. Eric Berry is not very good, man. He's not. Sixteen and a half million dollars? Seriously? Chiefs spend the fourth most of any team on safeties, and they don't have one good safety on this entire team. Eric Berry is the highest paid safety in the NFL. $13 million a year is a million dollars a year more than Cam Chancellor. Total guaranteed money, if you want to look at that. Um, the second highest is Jamal Adams for the Jets. Jamal Adams is pretty solid. Total guaranteed money, 22.2. Eric Berry, 29.8, almost $30 million. Eric Berry, by the way, is signed through 2023. I mean, at some point, we're probably going to dump him. We'll have to check that. But again, we can't do it this year. Horrible. Terrible. And again, Sammy Watkins, who's just kind of, mm. Watkins was graded out as the 45th best wide receiver. So, you know, a real solid number two option right there that we're paying almost $20 million for. Sixth highest in terms of uh, average amount per year, which is $16 million. But of course, it's averaging $19 million now because we backloaded it because just like all the the Twitter geniuses out there, we think, oh, we can just tweak the money. We'll just push it out, and then magic happens. No, this is what happens when you push it out. You take $16 million, you backload it, that becomes $19 million. At the exact same time, D. Ford is becoming a free agent. So now we have to cut Justin Houston because we can't afford all these people because we're just brain damaged when it comes to managing a salary cap. just makes me angry looking at how horribly mismanaged this is. But who knows, maybe I'm not very smart, and by the time this is all done, magic will have occurred, and Justin Houston will be on the team, D. Ford will be on the team, magic will have rained down from the heavens, and everything will be fine.
But anyways, let's look at a few other people that we can't afford. Uh, Demetrius Harris at tight end, probably don't really care, but uh, good chance we're not keeping them. Looking at running back, obviously we have a situation in which our starting running back um, is no longer on the team, and we will not be having him back. Now, we were fortunate enough to have a guy by the name of Damian Williams really step up and uh, do a pretty fantastic job. Not necessarily elite, but very, very well-rounded. Decent runner, decent receiver, great blocker, run blocker and pass blocker. So he's going to be okay, which is good because, unfortunately for us, Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West are both free agents. Now, again, as I go through this, keep this stuff in the back of your mind because Spencer Ware is, is somebody that's probably good enough to keep on the team if they had more money, but I don't know if they can afford to keep him. So he could end up being a casualty, um, as well as Charkandrick West, and they'll roll with Damian Williams and Daryl Williams, and then you know maybe draft a guy, whatever, I don't know, or just look at an undrafted free agent. It's kind of similar to the Packers situation, right? We basically have two guys. But for the Packers, you look at a guy like Spencer Ware, especially as somebody who's a, you know, okay runner, decent receiver, good pass blocker, eh, maybe. It's an option. He's a number three. Just throwing it out there. Um, Anthony Sherman is going to be a free agent. He's their fullback. Um, not positive what's going to happen. They probably have enough money to resign him because fullbacks are basically free. But it's interesting to note that Aaron Ripkowski, who was out of the league last year, was offered a futures contract by the Chiefs. So they might roll with Ripkowski. We'll see. Looking at wide receivers. Obviously, Sammy Watkins is locked up for eternity because, you know, that's how we roll. But Chris Conley, uh, DeAnthony Thomas, and Kelvin Benjamin are all free agents this year. Kelvin Benjamin, just not very good. There's no reason to re-sign the guy. They have a ton of players. He, Kelvin's getting up in age. You know, he's not producing. Just move on. Chris Conley, probably the only other wide receiver worse than Kelvin Benjamin on this team right now. So you can allow him to walk. DeAnthony Thomas is somewhat interesting, though. He didn't play a ton. He's been in the league kind of a while. He was on IR, which doesn't make it super appealing. But um, in his limited snaps, he's the only guy that graded out somewhat above average other than Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill. So considering he's coming into, I believe, his first, his you know, his second contract, his first official big kind of contract-ish thing. Um, but he's coming off IR. He's had suspect years. You could probably get him very, very cheap. But again... We don't have any money, so we got to be a little bit selective. So we could be losing all these guys. But either way, it's all good news because they don't have any money because of Sammy Watkins. As far as the offensive line, one interesting thing to keep an eye on is going to be the center position. Mitch Morse is a free agent. He's pretty decent, pretty good pass blocker at least. If they don't end up keeping him, they'll probably end up moving Cam Irving to center. Cam Irving is not very good, and that means that we're going to have to get a another guard, probably uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. I can't say his name without doing an obnoxious French accent. But suffice it to say, if Mitch Morse is gone, and we move Cam Irving, who is terrible, to center, and then we move uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, for the English speakers in the room, to guard, it's just a massive downgrade. So we kind of have to keep Mitch Morse. We kind of have to pay Mitch Morse. We kind of don't have a lot of money. Aw, shucks. Some other uh, offensive linemen that are not going to be around, probably Jeff Allen and Jordan Devy. The super unfortunate aspect of that is if we do get rid of these guys and don't resign them, which we might, but that not only leaves us with lacking talent at the guard positions, but it also means that we are lacking depth at the guard positions. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball now. Um, along the defensive line, Alan Bailey is the only one that's coming up for a contract. Xavier Williams and Chris Jones are up in 2020, so we've got to pay attention to that. As I said, Chris Jones, very, very talented. But we don't have to worry about that this year. But as far as Alan Bailey goes, I think that's another cap casualty just because, you know, Chris Jones is incredible. Xavier Williams is talented. Derek Nadi is pretty talented. Uh, Justin Hamilton showed a little bit. I think we have enough bodies and enough talent to allow a guy like Alan Bailey to walk the plank. Because I, I just don't want to spend our, you know, it's a pretty precious commodity right now. I just see no reason to bring him back. Outside linebackers, I already talked about D Ford. The other guy is Mr. Frank Zombo, who I cannot believe is still in the NFL. But he is. He This this has to be his last stint, I would assume. But as I said, D Ford is likely to stick around. Um, and Frank Zombo, I'm assuming, is going to be gone. He hasn't really been much of anything maybe for about two years he was somewhat decent but um yeah he's just he's not very good otherwise a couple cornerbacks which i mentioned kendall fuller is a 2020 free agent but steven nelson and orlando skandrick are both free agents this year both of these guys are decent so essentially in terms of they're all basically identically talented kendall fuller and steven nelson are the top two guys they get the most amount of snaps orlando skandrick gets the Third amount of the snaps, I suppose you'd say. Orlando essentially comes out in the three wide sets when Kendall Fuller moves into the slot. But if you move on from Steven Nelson or Orlando Skandrick, which I'm thinking you can't do, you're left with Charvarius Ward, who comes out with Kendall Fuller, and um, you're still missing another cornerback. So at the very least, you've got to resign one of these guys. Skandrick's been around since 2008. Very up and down production. You could maybe move on with him, stick with stick with Stephen Nelson, give him a little bit of a contract, and then do Traverius Ward, Stephen Nelson, and Kendall Fuller, and then focus on trying to draft some talent so we can move on from these guys. Here's the biggest problem, though. Stephen Nelson, we're talking about a 26 year old guy. He's the, he's the exact kind of guy you want to hang on to, right? He's he's a 26 year old guy. He's relatively talented, according to Spot Track. We're talking about $9.6 million, roughly in and around that. How do you pay him that? With what? So, I mean, they, cutting Justin Houston isn't even going to be enough. You have to do that and then do other stuff. Restructure some contracts, do some other things just so you can make room. Because, again, if we take the $20 million, and even if it's, you know, okay, with the, the top 51, maybe it ends up being 
23. I don't know. But then you take the $3 million hit by keeping D Ford and dropping Justin Houston. We're still at 20. Then you take another 9.6 million. You're down to about 10 million bucks just to keep one cornerback who's not even that great. He's just a, a guy that is good enough that you can't get rid of him, right? He's, he's a guy that you have developed. He, you drafted him. You've developed him. He's a decent guy. He wants his second contract, and this is, should be a joyous day for the team. This is what you want. You want to give your guys a second contract. You want them to pan out. That's why you drafted him. That's why you coached him up. You want him to be a guy that can be on your team until he retires. This is, this is our goal here, and yet here we are with no money to do so. So again, it'll be interesting to see, but this is the problem with saying, yeah, sure, we'll resign that guy. If you look at what a cornerback is worth, and we're talking about, you know, relatively young, talented, you can put him out on an island, we're talking 10 million bucks. That's just the NFL today. They got nine and a half, which is pretty generous. I think a very similar comparison that they have on Spot Track is Logan Ryan when he got signed. Very similar in terms of, of overall talent. Both signed at the age of 26. He was 26 at the time of the signing. The difference is, we're talking, what, two years ago? So if it was $10 million two years ago, what is it now? I don't think $11 million is unreasonable. So bottom line is, this team doesn't really have the ability to get better except through the draft. That's all they have right now. And in, even with the draft, how do you replace losing? You know, you're going to lose Spencer Ware. You're going to lose... Um, Calvin Benjamin and Chris Conley for whatever that's worth. You could potentially be losing your center. Now, you know, even looking at center, you, you say, well, that's not that big of a deal. They don't make that much money. Well, they don't, but Ryan Jensen for the Buccaneers makes $10.5 million a year. You know, if you just go down the list, 10.5, That's a lot of money, man. How far down the list do we have to go? I mean, we're talking about nearly a top 10 center in the NFL. Well, technically he's 13th, and out of 32 teams, I guess you'd call that somewhat mediocre or slightly above average. But I feel like Mitch Morse kind of has holds the cards here, because the Chiefs need him more than he needs them. And I feel like Mitch Morse on the on the open market is worth... Somebody is gonna, that has a bunch of money is like, yeah, I'll take that dude all day. Corey Lindsley's getting eight and a half. He just got signed not too long ago. His contract wasn't even that long ago. What, a year ago? And that was coming off not a super fantastic year. You think there's no team in the NFL that needs offensive line help that'd be willing to pay him $8.5 million? I think you're crazy. And I think he knows it. And the problem is the Chiefs can come up to him and they're like, look, man, I'll give you five right now. I'll give you five. He has an agent. The agent knows what he can get on the open market. If the, if the Chiefs want to keep him, they have to pay him. And you're not going to franchise tag a center. That's not ever going to happen. So again... Just looking at the one corner and the one center we want to keep, we're looking at what? A very, very minimum of $15 million, upwards of $20 million? We don't even have that. That's just to keep two guys. If we can keep it to 15 we could probably pull it off by maneuvering some other contracts. But again, that's pretty much all we can do as far as re-signing. We obviously can't go get anybody. So I, I just think they're going to have a tough road. I mean, the offense is still going to be the offense. You get to keep your quarterback. He's not going anywhere for a very, very long time. Pat Mahomes isn't coming up for a contract until 2021, which I guess isn't a very, very long time. So, I, I mean, again, we want to focus on 2019, but still, 2019, you don't have any money to maneuver anything. 2020, you got Tyreek Hill coming up. How are you not going to pay him $20 million on top of a bunch of other people? And then 2021, you got to pay Pat Mahomes, what, 33 34 $35 million? 
I mean, we're, we're talking, it's going to surpass Aaron Rodgers' contract. There's no question about that. So, I don't know, long term, I'm not buying stock in this team. I'm, I'm terrified of this team because the way that this cap is run and the way that it just looks over the next several years, I mean, they've got all offense. They don't have a lot of defense. And the only thing, as I said, that they can do is really, really, really draft well. If they can pull that off, awesome. I suppose one of the benefits is they do actually have four picks in the top 100. They have their first pick. They have two second picks. They got the Rams' second pick here. And then their third is is pick 93. They do not have a fourth. So after that, they just got five, six, and seven. And they have the San Francisco 49ers seventh. So it's an early seventh, but who cares? But uh, yeah, they, they, they have some work to do. And they've got to do some some really impressive stuff in the draft. Not like they haven't. They've had some hits in the draft. I think the biggest problem, though, is... The last time they had a bunch of hits in the draft was the last time that uh, they had a different GM. It's awesome. They got Patrick Mahomes and Kareem Hunt in 2017. They got Tariq Hill in 2016. They got Chris Jones in 2016 in the second round. The guy's a stud. That was a different GM, though. 2018, Mr. Brett Veach comes along, gets Breland Speaks in the second round. He's not very good. Derek Nadim, meh. I mean, none of these guys have done anything, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if Mr. Veach can figure it out. So that's sort of the, the broad overview of the situation that they have coming into 2019. Now from here, we kind of just look at, okay, it's game day. What are we looking at? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So as it is right now, there's no question Pat Mahomes, um, you know, obviously barring injury, but I'm not even going to speculate on that because there's no reason to. But Pat Mahomes, very, very talented guy. We're looking at an offense going up against our defense that has Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins. And as much as I make fun of Sammy Watkins and the amount of money he makes, he's a pretty decent number two guy. So the biggest thing, especially as I look toward free agency in the draft, obviously we want to get enough pass rush to be able to get after Mahomes. The one benefit that we have, though, is the talent that we have along the interior. With Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, potentially Muhammad Wilkerson. I'm not entirely sure if we're going to bring him back. I wouldn't mind it. But we've got some guys up front that can not only help by stopping the run, which is something that they also do relatively well, but getting after Mahomes, getting in his face, and making him get the ball out quickly. Not allowing Tyreek Hill to go down the field and gash us, like, you know, nonstop. Keep the pressure on. They've got Schwartz, who's a really good right tackle. Fisher's decent, but he's very beatable. And then along the interior, like I said, they don't have very good guards. Morse, if he's going to stick around, is slightly above average, but far from elite and very, very beatable. Kenny Clark is just going to absolutely smack this guy around. So being able to keep the pressure on, I think, is going to be important. Their running back situation is going to be very interesting and in who they keep and who who's able to do what. But starting up front and getting pressure is going to be important. The, the second thing to keep an eye on here is that 
first of all, we need Jair to be in peak condition because almost undoubtedly, unless the Packers do go early with cornerback and we get a stud or whatever, it's going to be Jair on Tyreek Hill, and that's a tough matchup for anybody. But if Jair can take a second-year leap, which, of course, he can, there's no reason. And I think it's a benefit to get a different um, coach, regardless of what the old coach was valued at, just from the standpoint of, of learning new tools, right? New coaches bring new perspectives, so you, you keep everything that you learned from the last coach. You learn new things from the new coach, and then hopefully he's you know just better in general. But if he can take a leap, then we're in a pretty good situation, but we still got Travis Kelsey to account for. Who's going to do it? Is Jones going to be our guy? Is, is he finally going to take a leap in his third year? He took a tiny, minute step, but he had a hard time even getting on the field, and it was mostly just injuries and cutting guys that put him on the field. I've said I like Jake Ryan, but between Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez, despite being underrated as coverage guys, they can't handle Travis Kelsey. Not that anybody really can, but just, just again, we're looking at safeties, and we don't have very good safeties. We look at linebackers. We don't have super great linebackers. You look at outside linebackers. We don't have super great outside linebackers. So what do we do? Maybe corner? Maybe you take a guy like Josh Jackson and say, you're tr- covering Kelsey. So we've got Josh Jackson on Kelsey, which essentially is problematic because how do you man up on a guy that might be staying in the block? What do you do then? You blitz? You just drop into zone? I mean, it's hard to just say you're a corner and this is your responsibility now. Although I suppose somebody has to do that. But the other benefit, though, with their situation and the fact that they have so many other needs, they're probably not going to be addressing wide receiver, which is to some degree an issue. Conley is their number three wide receiver. He's not very good, and he's a free agent. So you got Tyreek Hill, who's going to be outside in the slot. So you have Jair following him around. We have our number two guy. Maybe it's it's Kevin King. Maybe it's uh, Josh Jackson. Maybe it's Bashad Breeland. I don't know. I don't care. Again, I just want one of these guys to step up. If they can step up and even just be decent, they can maybe man up against Sammy Watkins because Sammy Watkins is no better than decent. This is a very good offense, but they don't have just super elite stuff. It's, it's, it's to our benefit to have an entire year to break down what they did and how to beat them. It's a lot of scheme type stuff. But the Rams had a lot of scheme too. But, you know, you get the Patriots and you get that mind in there of Bill Belichick and he figured out a way to beat it. You know, run blitzes up the middle where they don't have very good interior offensive linemen to try to bring pressure on Mahomes. Get Mahomes flustered. He threw a lot of picks. Keep these guys on their toes. Get some decent safeties out on this team. I, I think it's a a manageable offense. I'm not going to say beatable because they're going to get their yards. They're going to get their points. They're going to frustrate you. Again, extremely talented quarterback. Aaron Rodgers-esque in a way where... You know, even when you think you got him, even when you think he can't throw it, even when the guy's not really open, he's going to make some spectacular plays, and it's going to be very frustrating. But keep after him. He's not as accurate. He's a little more reckless than Aaron Rodgers, so watch out for those picks, especially if you keep the pressure on. He's young, and he's wild, and he wants to make these highlights. I mean, he's he's kind of, you get the impression he's sort of Aaron Rodgers-esque. He's got that sort of arrogance to him. Like, yeah, I knew I could do this. I already knew that it was going to be like this. You know, I can make all the throws. And, you know, you buy into your own hype when everybody around the world is pushing that hype on you. It's hard not to when you already came into the NFL with the attitude of, I know I'm the best quarterback, and then you just basically proved it, and everyone's like, oh, I guess he's the best quarterback. And you're like, yeah, I know, I've been saying that. But um, a guy like that can get flustered, and, and, you know, your confidence can get shook a little bit when you're uh, suddenly you can't make those throws, suddenly you threw a couple picks, things aren't going as you expected. So a, a really good pass rusher, 
Um, you know, development of our corners. You know, Jair takes us. If, if we can just get King, Jackson, and Jair to take a step and get Breland to just play like he had in the past because this was one of his lesser years, again, despite everyone thinking he was elite, he wasn't. He was below average. And then some safety help. I know it sounds like a lot, but it's not. We have cap space to maybe satisfy one of the safety spots. We have a lot of draft capital, like, you know, two first-round picks, a second, a third, two fourth-round picks, a fifth, two sixth, and a seventh. That's ten picks and a bunch of money in free agency. Again, not massive amounts, but enough enough that you can re-sign the guys you want to re-sign, which there aren't too many for us, which is great. And then still go out and do like, you know, one really big splash and maybe one of these over here and, you know, rework this contract. Maybe you do let some guys go. Maybe if you let Perry go, hey, there's a bunch more money you can play with. But, you know, again, not only beatable, but we have the ability to develop more than they do. We have a lot of young guys that can grow, like our corners. We also have Oren Burks. Let's not forget about him. He had a terrible year, but let's give him a year to develop, especially now that we have new linebackers uh, linebacker coaches. You know, we got uh, Kirk Olvadati handling the inside linebacker uh, responsibilities, which is, again, cool because we got a guy that's just inside linebackers. Not that we haven't had that in the past, but it's nice to just have this guy to say, you know, he's going to dedicate a, almost a massive amount of his time looking at Oren Burks, looking at his talents, studying last year's tape to say, okay, what in the world went wrong and figuring out how to get him up to speed. And as I've said already, Blake Martinez in his rookie year, was terrible. Jake Ryan in his rookie year was terrible. They both took pretty big leaps in their second year. They also all took leaps in their third year. Blake Martinez's third year was his best year. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic in the fact that despite their offense being better than our defense, I think their offense potentially could digress. Again, everybody's had a year to study this guy, break him down, figure out Mahomes, how to get in his head. Uh, Kelsey's getting a year older. Their offensive line is getting a year older. They might be losing their center. Uh, Sammy Watkins is mediocre. They don't have a number three, and they might be even losing number threes. They don't have enough draft picks to replace that. If they draft a wide receiver, that's going to be shocking because they have so many other needs, right? So basically, they have everything they had in 2018, but maybe minus a little bit. The Packers have everything in 2018, but it's going to be better. There's no question about that in my mind, right? Especially if you look at the end of the second half where we didn't have Mike Daniels, we didn't have Kenny Clark, we didn't have Jair, we didn't have anybody. We're coming back healthy. We got young guys that are getting better. We have plenty of cap space to help the, the the defense, and we have a lot of draft picks that are, you know, especially early on, going to be mostly defense probably. So reasons for optimism, absolutely. And then some serious optimism here, despite the problems with the offense that we've had, looking at their defense. I talked about it a little bit. Are they going to resign? If they do resign um, one of their corners, then they're pretty much capped out. So we're looking at Ford. If we start from the inside out, you got D Ford, who's probably going to be there, who might not be as good as he was. If he is, it could be a problem. Justin Houston, it's not 100% certain that he's going anywhere. They might try to retain him, but I don't know exactly how. Again, they have about $26 million. Subtract the six, you got 20. Now, if we subtract Ford and his $16 million, we're out of money. Meaning, cornerback goes bye-bye, center goes bye-bye. Everybody go bye-bye. I don't care what you want. You want to restructure Houston's contract? What do you mean? You, you want to like keep him on your team another four years and spread the money back out so that next year we don't have any money? And then, you know, in 2021, when we have to sign our quarterback to a $35 million a year contract, we really don't have any money? No, man, it doesn't make any sense. So Houston probably is gone. 
So they got D Ford firing off. They had him on the right side last time, which would mean Balaga. They could move him over to Justin Houston's spot, but I mean, that's not going to do him any good because Bakhtiari is just going to absolutely bottle him up. They do have a decent interior. Again, Chris Jones, very, very talented guy. One of the better guys in the NFL. They've got guys like Derek Nadi who maybe are going to be able to turn it around. But their pass rush gets hurt tremendously by not having Justin Houston. And again, I don't know what D Ford is going to bring, if anything. Is he going to be even close to what he was last year? Is he going to duplicate what he did last year? Or is he going to completely fall off? Will be interesting. Either way, however, they don't have anyone that can cover Devontae Adams. Again, with the youth situation, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemius St. Brown, Jamon Moore, these guys, if we just get one of them, just one, I'm not going to be greedy, give me one to take a step. We know they have the attributes. We know they have talent. Give me EQ to become a solid number two. Let Marquez be a number two. Let Jamon finally develop. Again, he was one of the better wide receivers as far as just being a solid wide receiver. And then hopefully again in the draft or in free agency, we get to snag somebody because they don't have very, I mean, they're not terrible. And if they do retain the guys that they have, at worst, they have two mediocre cornerbacks, which is, you know, serviceable. What they don't have though, they don't have safeties. They don't have linebackers. If, if Lafleur wants to run the ball and do it effectively, I think there's, a, there's reason to believe there can be a lot of success. Again, take Justin Houston out of the equation. D. Ford is an abysmal run stopper. He was great as a pass rusher, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Horrible against the run. Chris Jones, believe it or not, what he does really, really well, pass rush. Interior pass rush, he is one of the better ones. Not super great run defender. They don't have anyone on this team that's a very, very good run defender. Beyond that, they don't have linebackers. They don't have very good safeties. We could very likely, especially with a, a, a guy like LaFleur as opposed to McCarthy who would just pass it anyways, we could absolutely destroy this team on the ground. And imagine what that does for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Of course he wants to throw the ball every time, but you come into this game, the Chiefs come into this game, and I kind of hope we play him relatively early, maybe not you know, week two or three, give us a chance to kind of get this ball rolling a little bit. But you come in relatively early when nobody's really paying attention, and the, the Chiefs are coming in saying, we got to stop Rodgers. Like, everybody says we got to stop Rodgers. The problem is, we got our running backs, and we're running, like, you know, as a, as a committee, you know, Aaron Jones maybe gets 15, Jamal Williams gets 12, whatever. We run the ball 30 times, control the clock, absolutely wear down this defense, these guys who just want to get after the quarterback and get up the field all the time, and we just destroy them running the ball and running screens because they're just trying to get penetration, 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 and they can't stop it. Because we've already got running backs that can absolutely... Aaron Jones, even with the offensive line that we have, and, and not even assuming anybody in free agency or the draft, forget all that. Forget improving the offensive line. With the offensive line that we had, with McCarthy not really stressing running the football, not doing it very often, not practicing it very much, he was electric. Bring in Lafleur, bring in some offensive line help, bring in extra practice and stressing, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, tight ends, get the tight ends, stressing, blocking, run blocking, run blocking, here's how we do it, this is what we do. And you attack this defense, and you keep the ball. In other words, we don't want to score in five seconds. We're going to absolutely burn you out. And Mahomes comes out, and they burn down the field, and we're able to hold them to a field goal. Cool. Our defense was on the field for 13 seconds. We come back on the field, absolutely destroy you. And what that does for Aaron Rodgers is it, 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 it simplifies it for him. The defense has to adjust to this. And you, you give him options. 
You, you give him the ability to use his mind and recognize, okay, this is a good situation to pass. This is a great matchup over here. You know, they got to start lining up to respect the run. Well, suddenly we've got Jimmy Graham sitting over here, and they're not in a good position to stop him if I decide to have him run a little out route or something. And again, without linebackers, you know, you, you can run things in the middle of the field. You get guys like Equinemius, who I absolutely love running little crossing routes. Who's going to stop him? Those are man beaters, so if you want to keep them in man coverage, go ahead. But you got these tall, fast guys that are really shifty in the inside. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, get him going full speed across the middle. You're not going to beat that in man. And what are you going to do? Use Reggie Raglan in, in, uh, in zone to try to stop it? That ain't going to work. And really, for me, it just comes down to discipline. I, I think the Packers have what it's going to take, even without looking at And again, we'll reassess it. But even without looking at it, they have the ability and the talent to absolutely dominate the defense and do enough to slow down their offense to where we can pull ahead and actually win this game. But it's going to come down to discipline. That was, I think, one of the biggest problems for the Green Bay Packers. They didn't have discipline. Silly mistakes like tackling. Silly mistakes like blown coverages. Silly mistakes like not blocking properly. Just silly stuff all the time. And then on top of that, part of discipline is when the chips are down, do we keep trying or did we give up? Right? Are, are, we get, are we seeing people pouting on the sideline halfway through the first quarter because, oh, it was a three and out, and then they scored, and now it's over? Dude, I'm tired of it. That's a big thing for LaFleur and this coaching staff. There needs to be energy on this team. This, I mean, it's a young team, and they act like this is a bunch of 40-year-olds. Like, they're all just tired. Like, oh, okay, let's just go sit down. Dude, get fired up. Go scream and jump and dance and kick and scream and high-five and do cartwheel. I don't know what you got to do, but I shouldn't have to tell young athletic people to be hyper. Go be hyper. I don't care if Aaron Rodgers is a leader and he just wants to just kind of pace back and forth. You know, like he paces out into the field and then does this thing and then goes back and sits down and talks to one person with his tablet and wants to be by himself. Let him sit there and meditate like Troy Palomalu and do his thing. He's an old guy. He's got his own system. Leave him alone. That doesn't mean you guys can't jump up and down and get excited. And the coaches should encourage that. Get excited about something. You know why? You should be excited because we're the best team in the NFL and we're about to crush the Chiefs. There should not be a... a I, I shouldn't need to explain to you why that's something to get excited about. Because if you keep trying and you keep fighting, we will beat the Chiefs. We will beat, we, you know, we, we will prove that we have a better quarterback than Mahomes and the Chiefs do. We have a better defense than anybody wants to give us credit for, and we're going to show the world what a defense looks like. And this offense will be unstoppable, and we will show you. We will have the best offense on this day. And you want to give up because they scored a touchdown on their opening drive, and we went three and out, and they got the ball back, and we're done now? We st- It's okay. That kind of stuff that goes back to locker room, it goes back to discipline, it goes back to coaching. That's got to be a big element. You, you got to have that Sean McVay energy that the players can just feed off of. Like he's, he's just a, 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 like a lion cage just pacing back and forth, getting fired up, running on the field. LaFleur doesn't necessarily have to do that, but he needs his players to do that. It seems unnecessary. It's not play like you care, and players will play like they care. Practice is important. Practice tackling. Practice fundamentals, and it'll help with fundamentals. But it also matters if you are if you care. If you're playing on fire with your hair on fire, you're more likely to play well. 
Right, if you just don't care, like haha, Clinton Dix just didn't care, that's when uh, you know you didn't quite take the right angle. Uh, you kind of probably could have ran a little faster there, but you didn't. You know, you probably could have made that tackle, but it looked like you're kind of lazy and you didn't put everything into it. If you're super pumped up, like you're about to work out and you get the loud music and you kind of get fired up, you're gonna do a little bit more with a little bit more aggression, and you're gonna tackle that guy. You're gonna run right through that guy. The energy matters. Yes, discipline and practice, all that stuff is going to factor in. But the reason some players play with a little bit better fundamentals, sometimes it just comes down to energy and just wanting it, fighting for it. How do guys like Jamal Williams, who aren't built even that big, just absolutely destroy people? Because he plays angry. Because he's just a violent guy, as nice as he is, and I love that he dances around. He's one of my favorite players on this team just because he brings that energy that I want. Same with Jair on the other side of the ball. They bring that energy that I want the whole team to have. But that's how you look at Jamal and he's like, oh, he's not a power back. Like, are you you want to see? I'll show you. He's, he's out there hurting people. It's not even nice what he's doing to people. It's not about his build. It's about his intensity. He's an intense dude. He comes in fired up. He comes in ready to play. He's not the most athletic. He's not Aaron Jones. He's not going to be whatever, but he's going to bring it, and he's going to hurt somebody in the process, and I love that. And we'll see what happens with LaFleur and this, this slight change and tweak in things. If he can get a little bit more separation, maybe give him a little bit more room to run. Maybe give him a little bit you know, more practice and a little bit more of an understanding and, and thorough, like, look, this is what we're trying to do here, and if you just do what I say, it should be there, and then it's there, and then what's he going to do? Suddenly there's a hole, he flies through it, comes in contact with Reggie Raglan, absolutely rips his head off and goes for another 10 yards. Everything is in front of the Packers to beat the Chiefs. It seems like the Chiefs are going to blow us out of the water. There's no reason that should happen. With, with a good enough GM, with a good enough coach, I, I think those two factors right there, we beat the Chiefs. We need a GM that's going to get us the, the right players in free agency in the draft. We need a coach that's going to be able to instill excitement, discipline, and, and just, you know, talent, just coaching, just getting guys to that next level. If those things happen with the coaching staff and the front office staff, everything else falls into place. We will beat the Chiefs. End of story. We have the resources to get to the next level, they don't. They have they, they they are in a position where they can do nothing but regress unless they get unbelievably lucky in, in the draft and just hit on all their picks. That's my completely unbiased, I'm sure, opinion of the situation with the Chiefs. But it is the situation, and you're you're welcome to fact check me on any one of these situations. Not guaranteeing anything. I've I've laid out several things that need to fall in line in order for us to win, but what I'm saying is everything is there. We have the players. We already have the talent. We have the ability to add the talent with money. We have the draft. It's right there. Just hit on these next couple things. You've got your coach. Hopefully that was a hit. That coach went out and got a bunch of other coaches. Hopefully that was a hit. Now it's time for the GM to step up. His, his time is coming for free agency. It's getting to be that time. This is his first opportunity to go win 2019, to go beat the Chiefs. Then we got the draft. After that, it's up to the coaches. Get these guys coached up. Get them to the next level. But anyways, that's where it's at. That is a look at the Kansas City Chiefs. So anywho's, you folks enjoy your Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.